Welcome to another episode of It Has to Be Said. I'm Rachel French, and I'm going to say it. Search engines and big tech and Google and Facebook, they have way, way, way too much influence on election results, and we can't prove it, but we know it's true. Now, I'm going to talk you through some of the most important points of a movie called The Creepy Line, and if you are friends with me, then I have probably asked you at least twice to watch this movie, and since y'all aren't watching the movie, even though it's only like a minute and, or an hour and 30 minutes long, I'm going to talk you through the most important parts. I think it's really important that we understand not just how search engines work, but the kind of power they can have in an actual election. Now, whether they did or whether they didn't, we can argue about that later. And I realize that I'm not going to touch on everything about search engines. And there's stuff that you're going to say, oh, I already know that. But let me lay a little bit of foundation for you so that when I get to the experiments that were run by Robert Epstein back in 2016, 2015, 2013, 2012, you will have fresh in your mind exactly how search engines work. And you will understand the power and implications of the results of these experiments. They're actually pretty mind-blowing and pretty frightening. All right, so first of all, let me remind you that the way a search engine works is that it, when you put in a query of any kind, you put in a term or you ask it a question, it goes out and it searches literally billions of sites, and then it decides using algorithms what to put back in front of you. So even if you do a search for a topic that is, I mean, very innocuous, you know, carpet cleaner, it's going to come back with thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pages that are relevant to your question or query, but it can't serve all of that up to you, right? It can't even serve up hundreds. I mean, it can, but you're just looking for a quick answer most of the time. So what the algorithm does is it makes decisions about what is the most important, most relevant, most helpful, most accurate information to give to you. And it does this in two ways. Number one, it filters. And what that means is there's a thousand pages about this thing, but I'm only going to show you 500 results. That means there are things out there that you don't even know exist because certain search engines decide not to even show them. You have hit, well, at least I assume you have, I have hit the end of search results before. Well, that's just silly. You, how could you hit the end of search results? But I have. I have exhausted everything that Google wants to show me. That's because it filters. It decides what it's not going to show you. You can understand why that's pretty important. But number two, once it decides what to show you, even if it were to decide to show you everything, it still has to decide what order to put things in. Now, most people, they don't go beyond the first page of search results. That's been true for many, many years. So if you're a small business owner, for example, or you push a product or a brand, you know that it is essential that you show up in the first page of search results. Because if you don't, there's a chance that you're going to lose something like 90 or 95% of people who are searching for something you have to offer. Now, when you're looking for something like the example in the movie, again, the movie is called The Creepy Line, and you can find it as of today. You can find it on YouTube and Rumble. You can find it on Tubi. It's been streaming for free on Tubi for, for years, and I believe you can get it on Amazon Prime as part of your membership. But just do a search, watch The Creepy Line, and even Google will tell you how to find The Creepy Line. The example that's used in the movie is, uh, it, what is the best dog food? 
All right. Now, search engines have conditioned us. I'm speaking globally. You might be thinking, I'm above this. I actually know how it works. I'm really skeptical and careful. Yeah, I'm really skeptical and careful. And I actually have been working with algorithms off and on in my career, you know, since like 1992. So I know how they work, but that doesn't mean I'm not a human being who's easily influenced. You're a human being. You are influenceable. So what happens is you search for something like, oh, what is the capital of Japan? And what Google has done over years is taught you that that first result is usually the best result. It's the one that's the easiest and most accurate, and maybe it's the most authoritative. It's got other sites that are linking back to it. So you go, okay, I trust it. When I ask what's the capital of Japan, it tells me. So then when you ask what is the best dog food, it goes out and searches all the sites and it makes decisions about what to show you and what not to show you. And then it decides what order to put things in. Right. And on some level we go, Oh, whatever's up at the top is probably the best. It's probably the truest. It's probably what I should follow and listen to and obey. All right. Well, what happens when you start to ask about serious things like personal life decisions or who you should vote for or what cause you should support? Now you've been conditioned over time that whatever pops up to the top is what you should trust. Even if you're aware that there's a game being played here, even if you're aware that you've been conditioned, still there are neural pathways that have been set. And if you've been using search engines, then those neural pathways have been being set in your brain. Make sense? But you're following me. And if you're listening to me, there's a very high chance that you're already aware of this and you think, like I do, you know, we think that we're super diligent and vigilant and that we're not just going to be, you know, fed stuff passively and we're not just going to believe whatever search engine feeds up. But not everybody is this aware. And I'm going to tell you about the shocking results of the experiment. Uh, experiments that Dr. Robert Epstein ran. Now, he is, as far as I know, not related in any way to, to the evil Epstein. Um, he's a 70-year-old guy as of this taping. Um, he's got a PhD from Harvard in psychology, and he's, you know, well-published, and he's, you know, worked at several schools and with different foundations and organizations and written books and all that stuff. Um He's also a liberal for what that's worth, although he claims to be apolitical. He admits that when it came to the 2016 election, he preferred Hillary in that he felt that she was more qualified than Trump. Okay, so just keep this in mind. Uh, also, uh, he was quoted in an article as saying that many conservatives um, have really like grabbed onto his criticism of Google and that he finds that um, he, he finds that disturbing. <laughs> That's not the word he used, but he doesn't like it at all. So this is a guy who doesn't really have a dog in the fight in terms of trying to push left over right. And the results of this, um, these experiments that I'll tell you about right now, and we're going to jump right into it now, um, will definitely show that. He's just concerned about search engine manipulation and, and the lack of transparency. Even though big tech claims they're transparent, you know, most of us don't know how to code and we can't read the algorithms and they're not going to show us anyway. So uh, we need to be aware of what's happening here. So what they did was they ran an experiment where they took about 100 people. They started small, took about 100 people and they wanted to see if they could influence or if they would influence um, election choices, voting choices. So they picked Americans and then they, they gave them this, the 2010 prime minister of Australia election. Okay. So people weren't aware of it. It was already over. They didn't know anything about the candidates, Tony Abbott and Julia Gillard. All right. And here's what they did. They 
created a fake Google. They called it Caboodle. They made it look like Google. And then they planted in the search results that they wanted people to see. All right. And then they asked the, uh, the, um, the, Sur the survey, the respondents, the people, part the participants, sorry. They asked the participants at various stages, how much do you trust each of the candidates? How much do you like each of the candidates? What is your overall impression of each of the candidates? And if you had to vote right now, which one of them would you vote for? So they asked those four questions and then they served up search results after they asked the people to go and, and run the searches what the people didn't know, they didn't know a couple of things. One is they didn't know that the search results were being manipulated and they didn't know that they were being thrown into one of three groups totally randomly. So group one was getting very biased or semi-biased, depending, was getting biased search results in favor of Abbott. One group was getting biased search results in favor of Gillard. And one group was a control group where they were getting very mixed search results that were... Uh, as unbiased as human beings can make them. All right, so in experiment number one, what they, oh, and they were, they had access to 30 search results, if that's interesting to you. Five pages, six results per page, which is less than Google serves up, but it was an experiment. So what they did was they said, okay, have at it. Here's your search engine, Google, see what you can find out about these candidates, and then we're gonna ask you questions again. What they did was they gave totally like pro Abbott or pro Gillard uh, search results. And then they wanted to see what would happen if people would, would be swayed by these. And you probably won't be surprised to find out that they were swayed by the search results. As they read result after result, source after source, that was pro one candidate or the other, they were in favor of that candidate and more likely to vote for them. And in fact, the shift that they witnessed in this experiment was that there was a 48% shift. So 48% of people who were neutral before actually shifted to one side or the other if they were fed biased search results. What's remarkable about this is that they were seeing all pro for one candidate or all negative for the other candidate, right? A mixture of the, she's good and he's bad or he's good and she's bad. 100% of the results were facing that one direction. And three quarters of the people in the experiment were completely unaware that the results were biased. Think about that for a second. That is unbelievable. It's almost as unbelievable as what comes next. So then they wanted to see what would happen. Well, what if we made it a little sneakier? What if we, I mean, people were already unaware that the results were biased, but... <laughs> They thought, all right, well, let's push the envelope a little bit. So in experiment number two, they took the fourth search result and they made it favor the other candidate. So you still had, say, 10 in a row and the fourth one was for the other candidate. All right. You would think that the shift would be less than 48%, but no, this time the shift was 63%. So even more people were moved toward one candidate when there was a little bit of negativity about them in there. Now, why is that? Well, one of the reasons is because of confirmation bias. So once you think something, anything else you see tends to support your point of view on it. It's very interesting. And in this case, where there was a 63% shift, a bigger shift toward the candidate, 85% were unaware of the bias. So more people than the first time were unaware of the bias, 
right? Because of that one negative or that one positive for the other candidate. This is how stupid people are, okay? This is how stupid people are, that you give them 10 search results that say all good things about one candidate and you make number four say something bad about them and people are like, yeah, this seems totally fair. They don't even see it. All right, now get this though. So we go to experiment number three where they decide to push it a little bit more. And instead of swapping out search result number four, they swapped out search result number three. So they moved the opposing bias up in the search results. And this time, 100% of the participants were unaware of a bias at all. They had absolutely no idea that they were being served up completely, completely biased one direction search results. That is pretty remarkable. So, so let me just stop there. You can make your own decisions about what that means, but I think it is positively mind-blowing, positively mind-blowing. Um, and I think about the times when I'm running searches on Google or any other search engine, and, and you, I mean, sometimes you got to scroll way down to find something that goes in the opposite direction, but the way headlines are written, sometimes you think you're getting like a, you think you're getting a pretty fair group of search results, but the more fair you think they are, the more fair you believe they are, and they can really sneak a lot of stuff in there. So super important. All right. So then they took the experiment nationwide, and they had more than 2,000 people. So instead of 100, they had 2,000 plus. And they pulled people from all demographics, from all political leanings, again, um, and from all 50 states this time. And what they found was that um, it, they could get a shift in some demographics as high as 80%. As high as 80% they could influence the vote of these people just by how they manipulated. And actually, in this case, they, what they did the first time was they ran the experiment the way they did the third time, which was all they did was swap out search result number three. That's the only one that they that they gave that was contrary to the rest of the search results. It's really, I mean, it's truly remarkable. And 99.5% of people didn't see a bias of any kind. 99.5% <laughs> of people were unaware that out of 30 search results, one that leaned the other way, they saw this as a completely fair representation of, of information and news about these candidates absolutely crazy. All right. So what they did next was they went to India where there was an election going on and they, um, and they ran, a, they ran a similar experiment in the creepy line. They don't get into the details of it, but what they found was that depending upon the demographics, um, that they saw as small, the lowest shift that they saw that they could, that they could have was a 20% shift and the highest was 60%. So the first time they're manipulating everything. And the second time they're not manipulating everything. There's an actual election going on with actual news results out there and other things happening in the world. And these people have a vested interest in being informed. So that's a significant difference between the first set of experiments and this set of experiments in India was that there was, you know, they had a dog in the fight. Um, and still the, they were unaware, the participants were unaware of the bias crazy. So then in 2016, we have the Trump and Hillary Clinton um, election going on, and they did not run the experiment. But what they did was, and understandably, they don't get into the details of how they did this. But I think what they were doing was they were tracking I believe what they were doing was they were tracking search results that people were doing in real time, in real life, 
on Google and on other search engines, or maybe just Google. Again, he doesn't get into the methodology, and I think that's fair. I think that's smart. Um, but they were able to track what people did and where they clicked off to and what it is they looked at and what they searched for, okay? And so what they found um, in watching what people were doing as they were searching for information and news about the candidates was that they found that there was bias in all 10 of the first search results served up by Google, and that all 10 of the top search results consistently over time were pro-Hillary and anti-Trump. So they were doing, and this, again, I think it's important that, again, they didn't get into the details of the methodology, but it's not that these were just some researchers sitting around running their own searches on Google. They were following, like looking over the shoulder of people who were running their own searches as they sought out information about real candidates in real time with a real election coming up. Um, and as a result of this, um, Robert Epstein, he, you know, he, like I said, he published papers, he spoke at various conferences and at various universities. And Google's response was that it, his experiment and his results and conclusions are, quote, nothing more than a poorly constructed conspiracy theory. You can decide for yourself whether Google is right and it's nothing but a poorly constructed conspiracy theory or whether there is some truth and something, at least something for us to be aware of as a result of what it is these researchers did. Um, Epstein says, says that if they think it, what's happening, if it's really happening, he says, and I think this is a strong statement and I don't think he's wrong. He says, if what, what we think is happening is really happening, then democracy is an illusion. And he's absolutely right. He also says that these are big mind control machines, that Facebook and Google and these big tech platforms, and those are the two big ones, but they are nothing but mind control machines, and they are very, very good at mind control. Now, again, if you're listening to me, especially if you've made it this far into the, um, into the broadcast, then you know that you have to be careful and skeptical anyway. But what about people who don't know that they need to be skeptical? Another piece of criticism that was um, lobbed back at him after this was that, well, yeah, that's all very fine and good, but people aren't going onto Google to make decisions about who to vote for if they're an undecided voter. Well, that's just crap. I mean, that's just total crap. And aside from that, let forget Google. Let's think about Facebook. They decide exactly which news stories to feed up, and they're suggesting pages all the time. And I don't for one second believe that there aren't things that are sponsored that Google's getting paid for that we don't know about. I have seen with my own eyes, and you probably have too, I have seen people and brands and companies show up in my Facebook timeline that don't say sponsored, but they're clearly ads or they're people who are clearly paying to be exposed to a new audience. And it doesn't say sponsored, and not only that, but I can't report the post as spam. That means stuff is happening on the back end. So you'll never convince me. You will never convince me that Google does not serve up search results based on either their own opinions and their own desires or based on money that's being paid. You'll never convince me that, that rankings are not influenced by things behind the scenes that are directly connected to either getting what they want or getting paid. In fact, again, if you're a small business owner or you're involved in marketing at all, then you know that if you have a Google My Business page, you show up in search results 
much more quickly. In fact, you can't even show up in search results really just with a website without a Google My Business page, but you need a Google My Business page in order to rank. Um, you won't rank higher than sponsored ads, but you will rank on the first page if you do it right. And the things you have to do to do it right include, and they never tell you this, they never tell you this, but those of us who work in the industry, we have seen the results with our own eyes. We know that if you put up posts, sort of like social media posts, but they're Google My Business posts, that if you do that, you get boosted. And if you have a YouTube channel connected to your Google My Business page, you get boosted. And if you have YouTube videos that are embedded on your website and your website is connected to your Google My Business page, you get bumped up. So there are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that you only know about through trial and error. If you're in the mark, if you're in the marketing field or in the business field or in your, in the technology field, then you know these things. But the average person has no idea that that's going on behind the scenes. And they don't want to tell us and they don't have to tell us because they claim that they are transparent about certain things. It's a limited hangout, right? A term that I only recently learned. A limited hangout is where, where they tell you part of the truth so that you don't even push for the rest of the truth. A very smart limited hangout, by the way, was the movie The Social Dilemma that came out in 2020 and streamed on Netflix. I was floored that such a movie would would be allowed on Netflix, which is obviously also big tech. They're all in bed with each other, scratching each other's backs. Uh, and I couldn't believe it, but I watched it and I was like, eh, well, I mean, this is stuff we already know. They want us addicted. They want us hanging out on the platform for as long as possible and they're collecting our data. There's nothing new there. But I had already seen the creepy line and I highly recommend that you watch it. I mean, what I'm doing is not doing it justice. I highly recommend you watch The Creepy Line. Even if at the beginning you think, I know all this, it lays the groundwork for some of the other things they're going to tell you later on in the movie. And they're going to talk about what happened to Jordan Peterson and what happened to Brett Weinstein and just a lot of really interesting things. It's worth, it's worth the watch. Um, and I had also seen, and this is something else I highly recommend you watch, and I searched for it today on YouTube to make sure that it's still available, and it is. I would like you to go and type in Zuboff, Z-U-B-O-F-F. -F. Her name is Shoshana Zuboff, and there's a VRBO documentary. Uh, I believe it's called Surveillance Marketing or Surveillance Capitalism. Uh, that's also the name of her book. She is, again, a liberal, a liberal who is so outraged and so terrified of what big tech can do with all the data they're collecting about us. So it gives me hope that there are people who are technically on the other side of the aisle, but really they're just classical liberals. They don't want us to be controlled by a few people. And this point is made multiple times that we're really talking about a handful of people working for a handful of companies who are making such far-reaching decisions about what to show us now that we live our lives online that they have a tremendous amount of control over things like elections. So we ought to be aware. We ought to pay more attention. We ought to pull ourselves offline to the extent that we can. Although, I mean, pulling ourselves offline is difficult. We're still, we're always looking for the, for a good search engine, but it seems like one by one, they fall like dominoes, don't they? Uh, it's, it's a scary time. It's a scary time. So the most important thing that we can do is be aware, be really aware, check our own confirmation bias, um, and, and just, and do our research using, different search engines, don't rely on Google, 
that clearly has a bias and we don't know exactly we can't read minds we don't know exactly what they want us to do and why we just know that there's a big club and we're not in it and if you remember you know nobody on the left wants to hear anyone on the right talk about fascism both sides are screaming you're a fascist you're a fascist but if we think about Mussolini and what he said fascism is I'm gonna mess up the quote but he said he said it's the fusing of government and corporations that's what he said it is and we've seen this we've seen it over the last three years it has been particularly in our faces but fascism is where the government and the business world are so fused and so united that you you can't even slip a piece of paper between them and they just move in unison to get the rest of us you know poor proletariat to do and think whatever it is they want us to do and think and believe and if you're not paying attention you're just gonna do and think and believe what your influence to do and think and believe and so the more we pay attention and the more skeptical we are and the more tight the, the tighter our filters are for truth versus lies um you know the better off we'll be and so this is information that i hope you'll share with someone uh you can if you like what i had to say and you think it's a time well spent please share this video. You can leave a comment on YouTube or Rumble. You can follow me. Really, my videos are all designed to not have to be watched. You're supposed to be able to listen to them. This is a podcast first, so you can find me on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts as well. If you don't want to share this with someone, that's fine. But next time someone's talking about, you know, search engines or election results or bias or the news, you know, this is a very easy thing to let them know that this is happening behind the scenes, or at least we've got some pretty good evidence that it is. And we've got zero evidence that it is not happening. We've got a lot of evidence that it is happening and zero evidence that it's not happening. So maybe just mention this to a friend, especially one who seems to be a little more willing to just take things at face value and question nothing. This is, impor this is important information. And I'm glad that you stuck with me through to the end. I hope that you found it interesting and useful and informative. I've now watched The Creepy Line three and a half times, and I've watched the Shoshana Zuboff uh, documentary twice. It's time for me to revisit it. And that's where you can go to get some very important information about surveillance marketing and surveillance capital and have a better understanding of how big tech is collecting our data and using our data. And it's not just to sell us ads, it's also to sell us beliefs. All right, well, thank you very much for sticking around to the end. Have a great day.